I'm Review Cultist. I'm Mikey. These tans are evil. And I'm the gamer in yellow. And we're here to discuss those internet stories, most creepy and most pasta, and be critically silly doing it. And tonight we have, continuing our trek to the end of Vicar Fall, History Lesson. So, uh, History Lesson is on the Icker Falls submitted section of their website, IckerFalls.com. Uh, at first, it looked like it was just another one that was anonymously placed in by the admin. However, I looking into the comment section, I believe this story was written by Xavier Brentwood, who was down in the comments, uh, thanking somebody about their like the comments and critiques on their stories on the story. So, I am like ninety five percent sure this is the person that wrote the story. <laughs> Yeah, because as with all Laker Fall stories, the author is never actually cemented on the story itself. Yeah, it's just admin posted this. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, is it for immersion purposes? I don't, I don't remember. No, it's not for any of that, I don't think. I think it's just like, it's probably just a default setting of the... Uh, uh, of um, like the the website itself, like the actual like engine itself, and then maybe like Chris Straub or whoever runs the Icker Falls website itself. I assume it's Chris Straub, but it might be somebody else. Um, just at the at the, this point in the in the history of the internet, they just didn't bother crediting um, the authors necessarily. Or which... it's just like everyone sends the stories into him, like through his email or whatever. And then he yeah. puts them up on his website using his account. Hence why it's all admin. Yeah, that's what that's what I was meaning. Yeah. But it is weird that like a lot like a lot of them like they just I, maybe it's just like they themselves like post the story anonymously or like post it send it to him anonymously. But it just seems kind of weird. Well, like on <laughs> creepypasta dot whatever, you would make an account on that and then post it. And that's how your name gets tied to the story. Except that in recent years, they've been actually stamping down on actually like putting like crediting the the author like by or credited to da 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 dot when they can oh, in find regards the to Icker Falls, not not Icker Falls, but like to other creepypastas. Like there's a lot of archived creepypastas on the creepypasta wiki dot mm. fandom dot com uh, <laughs> that um, have like at the end like they've added in like credited to this yeah. person because they were able to find the person who actually did the who actually wrote the creepypasta. Mm-hmm. So, um, it might just be a product of the time of of the internet, like where like crediting somebody wasn't entirely like wasn't like a priority or wasn't like always like in the kind of like the headspace. Yeah, you know, it'd be a good way to do this. I know I'm we're delaying the friggin' intro. It's fine. <laughs> next, tune in next time when we when we discuss the uh, the morality and uh, and trends changing in the uh, copyright world of of creepypastas. Yeah, we're totally going to do that. So um, a way to do it without having to change the uh, infrastructure of everything of how it all works is just when the story gets posted, uh, the first comment is by admin saying this story is credited to so-and-so. Yeah, that would also, yeah, like that would definitely help. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know why that it took or... us till the end of all of Vicar Fall <laughs> to actually finally address this. Or... Yeah. Hey, we got there. It took it took a couple of years, but we got there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to the story at hand, Icker Falls History Lesson um, by Xavier Brentwood. Uh, let's go into the initial recommendations before we dive into the rundown and our expanded reasoning for our recommendations. Uh, and I will go first, as usual. I'm going to recommend the story. I'm going to not recommend the story. Okay. And of course, I will be partially recommending the story. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, so let's let's dive into this story and find out why <laughs> we have yeah, we're such running drastic... the gambit on all of our yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, so starting with the uh, with the rundown here, so Nair, because I don't believe we ever get their name, I don't um, think so. enters a carnival tent exhibition with many other people as a busker goes on a very dramatic retelling of the historical historically oppressed poor people at the hands of the rich but contrasting how how full of life the poor are compared to the rich in their opulence um as nair travels from constructed scene to scene within the tent um the tent the the, the scenes are like a tavern and then like the inside of a of a poor family's home and then the inside of like a rich family or like a rich like a state kind of place um they're all separated by like curtains and curtained walls and stuff and the the busker kind of like does a spiel and then leads the the crowd into the next scene and stuff like that um as this is going on nair begins to realize unlike the rest of the people that the mannequins i do in quotes of each exhibit are either trapped or dead people on display um like uh for example in the um the the poor how the poor family's house scene um he notices that the woman in the middle of the of the uh of of a group of women that are like knitting um her eyes are moving around and like have life in them even though like she is seems to be trapped in inside her own body or like uh, like there's something wrong with her body that's like kept her tra- uh, keeping her trapped and he even notices that her mouth has been stitched op- uh, sp- stitched shut so she can't talk um and then when they go into the uh, the room with the uh, the opulent feast of the rich people. Uh, all the bodies there, like all the mannequins, are just dead people. It seems, and there's like a uh, perfumed aroma that is like covering up the scent of death and rot. Um, and the busker, the the guy who's like giving the spiel about like this whole like dramatic retelling of this this historical event stuff, seems to be in on the uh, be in on it as he keeps looking at nair who like nair realizes that that the busker realizes that nair knows <laughs> everybody got that sure, <laughs> um so nair tries to, to find a way to escape perhaps even going back to that woman that was trapped in the uh the, the poor family scene um but slips into the space between the curtained off exhibits and comes upon a closed door with a small curtained hole in it uh, he sticks his head through it because YOLO, <laughs> um, only to find his head unknowingly in the grasp of a guillotine uh, in front of a crowd of onlookers during the French Revolution. Uh, Nair tries to get his head out, but the busker is suddenly behind him in 
the curtained off area and holding him in place uh, while going on a spiel about how Nair was destined for this or like this is uh, like uh, he was meant to be here in this place with his head in the guillotine. And then Nair hears the blade come down. Finn. Uh, So after that, I suppose we'll move on to everyone tolerates the grammar inquisitions at this point. Um, I've got two. So I'm going to start with this one here. I moved with the crowd out of the summer evening's heat into the carnival show tent, into a space well lit and decorated, a tavern scene, as the busker continued his patter. So this bit here is the first time we actually get Nair talking or like kind of narrating the story um, after a, a, a section at the at the beginning of the story where it's actually the busker going on his diatribe and stuff like that. and. I this might be a nitpick, but I honestly kind of wish that there was something more separating the the busker's spiel at the beginning, which is like multiple lines um and like that they're all spaced out and stuff like that. And then it cuts immediately to this like to the narrator after that um like moving with a crowd into the evening or like out of the evening heat into the carnival show tent. And I at first when I first read it, I honestly like kept reading it like the busker, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, like there's like the first the, to, to give you an example, it's like uh, um, under the folds of this tent, you will find we have pr- spared no expense, left no stone unturned, no egg unbroken to be to bring you the most modern and advanced display of man's progress. I moved with the crowd out of the summer's evening's heat <laughs> into the carnival show tent. Into a space well lit and decorated, a tavern scene. As the busker continued with his pattern. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, did you get that far in before you realized? Basically, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it was like totally like I saw like that. It, it was like mentioning the busker in the third person. <laughs> oh, okay. As soon as I said like I moved with the crowd, I kind of figured it wasn't him. Yeah, I, I I I was the goofus in this one, I guess. Oh, don't um, worry, I'm being way more goofus than you. Okay, so like, I I just kind of wish like like honestly, if if the whole like, because like how many one two three four five six seven eight nine ten, at least like twenty plus lines, um, that are that are all like kind of, most of them are are spaced out too, uh, of the buskers like spiel at the beginning. Um, I just kind of wish that maybe like the first part of it had started with it with quotations and then it ended after <laughs> like, um, like w- when it says like, uh, display of man's progress and then cut, do, does the end, uh, end quote there. Mm-hmm. Um, just to like, give us an, re- an example of that. This is like, this is all dialogue. And now we're moving on to a narrator, uh, that's like, describing the, the scenes and stuff ahead of us. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just found the the switch to from from busker's dialogue to narrator very uh, jarring. So uh, I will move on to my next thing. His clothes were tattered and torn, and he had an iron helmet with plumes as red as the curtain. I was leaning though, and he grasped the pike by his side. So I think. It's supposed to be through rather than though. So, mm-hmm. 
and he had an iron helmet with plumes as red as the curtain I was leaning through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and that is my grammar inquisition. So, Mikey, these stands for evil. All right. Um, so, my grammar inquisition is like review cultist, but sort of in reverse. Okay. <laughs> so after the, sec- <laughs> after the section where uh, uh, cultists complained about, we actually get quotes to show that it's the yes. busker talking. Yep. <laughs> now, the issue is that we get quotes on every line. Normally, when you have one person talking, you don't keep opening and closing. Yeah, you. I, I've, I know there was a um, a technique. You you might you're you might be about to cover this, but I remember there's a technique that Frank Belknap Long used uh in and i'm sure other authors have used in like older like like the Cthul- the lovecraft circles and stuff like that where they leave a quote at the, they leave a starting quote but they never mm-hmm. uh, end the quote if they're going to continue yeah. talking and stuff like that so yeah they don't end the quote until the person who's speaking stops talking yeah and so the way it's written it's almost like the busker has multiple heads speaking oh god <laughs> I mean, if that suddenly happened through the story, I would, I, it would not surprise me because this got very surreal very fast. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's the case, though. No. Um, and again, because it's all one person speaking, why not clump it together? Yeah. Like, why have these spaces between lines if it's still the same person talking and talking? Unless he's also like, affecting a different voice whenever he says like look look here we we enter the exhibit with all manner of things to catch the eye for youth and old alike marvelous detail see how the people country folk all shine even in their weary oppression see how the men gather at the bar roughshod feet on the sawdust like he just keeps switching like he's just got like like maybe it's like multiple personality or something like that are are you referring to the intro more than the rest of it though mikey like how the intro is so spaced out well there is the intro space sound but then there's also like three sections after what uh, culta said yeah that are literally quoted out but it's still the same person talking. Yeah, it is. It's the busker talking in those three quoted lines <laughs> or quoted paragraphs. Just saying, there's no point to like breaking them up, even if yeah. it's yeah, yeah. Like, the, the only point to break them up is if I guess he's breathing. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, <laughs> which that's what the period is for, right? So exactly. yeah. <laughs> It could be an entirely long diatribe, but like, yeah, I think I I I, I definitely agree with you, Mikey. The the multiple like quote unquote don't really need to be there when it's the same person over and over and over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. like multiple. A lot of these sentences can just be combined into a paragraph, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
and especially at the start where it's a whole bunch of short lines. But the mm-hmm. way I was reading it is just like it's it's laid out like that because he's trying to like put on a show. Yeah. And it's almost like how you would act in a play, you know? Yeah. Or you wouldn't and- be reading an entire paragraph of stuff necessarily. You're reading lines. Yeah. And well I I think we were both like kind of in agreement that like it's kind of fine as it is it's just it needs like a quote but the but not the end quote until he's done <laughs> like oh i know that i'm not talking about that i'm yeah. talking about the oh, formatting no. of it yeah. okay yeah well and i mean the there's one thing that could make this better is like add gestures what is the busker doing while he's saying these things because buskers are very animated yeah, I'm just imagining jazz hands the entire time. <laughs> but yeah, he he definitely it, it I definitely got the impression that he was like roaming like kind of moving around the crowd and like and like presenting like with his hands and stuff about the 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 exhibits that he was like talking about. But like we don't get any of that. Like that's just something I I fabricated in my head to like make the scene more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he's just new to this whole thing and he's just walking in there and he's just holding a piece of paper and just reading all of this without doing any like, any physical oh, movement. Now I'm just imagining him like yeah, with the cue cards like look look here as we enter the exhibit with all manner of things to catch the eye for youth and old alike marvelous detail get the hell off the stage <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, the guild, for that. <laughs> I think that's. I think it's either from the guild or it's. It's the, one of the guys from the guild did that on like a uh, uh, on a on like a stage for a convention or something. He like he had like a card and he was like playing the character, his like nervous character, and he just like get the hell off the stage. <laughs> I have not seen that, but I've heard you reference it before. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so my next. Thing here is a conjunction junction. Ooh. And next stop, conjunction junction. Doot, doot. It was as if the bloom of her youth had been stolen away, as if viewed in any light other than the increasingly sickly glow of the fire, she would have been beautiful. But there was something about the way she sat there. Something to the tautness of her shoulders, the lilt of her head, the way her hair clung around her neck. Something that was unspeakably wrong, and that I could neither figure out nor fix. And her eyes. But clearly marked on her pale lips, I saw thin, dark lines. It was richly textured, woven thick and full. But the deep fabric was so cold that it almost felt wet to the touch. It was as if it was outdoors, with a noisy crowd gathered perhaps a hundred feet away, down below the edge of a raised wooden platform that I looked out over. Finn. Wow. So based on the context of everything, 
the uh, red fabric that he pushes through to like look into the scene is her mouth. Because it's referencing the the yarn yeah. and then continuing to reference fabric <laughs> as if it's the yarn. So she was a pup, like a Muppet, and he just like went through her mouth <laughs> that was closed off. Something like that, yeah. So, so she's a just a normal-sized person, but opened yeah. up her mouth big enough for his head to go in, went in, and then inside is this entire scene. Yeah. Again, love love the surrealness. Weird what happens when you remove context. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the reason like he does these little strings of sentences is to highlight all the sentences in a story that start with words that they probably shouldn't. Like, it's ands or buts, because there's always better words. Yes. Uh, and then I suppose it's up to Gamer now. It is. Let's see. Proving that history is fiction today made fact. So I'm kind of not a fan of the word today, how that sits in that sentence. Because you get the same point across without it, because it would just be proving that history is fiction made fact. Well, it's... History is... I I think it needs to be there, because it's like fiction in the present. Like, like, like proving that history is is present-day fiction made fact, is what I think it's trying to say with that today in there i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> like i that because that, that that is like thing it was like because like yeah like history is just what like what how we write it like because because the history books are written by the victor kind of it, it, like, it's that kind of motif of like history is written by the victors uh and like it's basically like yeah there is a lot of fact like to it there's there's truth to history but there's also like it's it's recounted in the present about something that happened long ago or like, or in, in the past. So it's ma- it, we, we are recounting it. We're making it up, but at the same time, it's based off truth. I think is what it's trying to, uh, what that, what that say. So I think by removing that today, it kind of, cha- it, 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 it's, it, do, it doesn't, it doesn't help the, the sentence there. <laughs> so what you're saying that is that, we haven't written books for hundreds of years. No, we have. I mean, so, so a book a hun- that's a hundred years old is referred to as fiction today, as modern fiction. No, that's not what I'm saying. But so I'm right. <laughs> All right, you know what? I'll just, I'm just gonna let stop. me rewrite it here. So, uh, what was it? Proving that history is based on a true story. <laughs> Yeah. Which is also history made fact or fiction made fact. It's the same thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's trying to say that it's all modern stuff, okay, but I, I don't know. It just it seemed weird the wording of it. Okay. And the rewording Fair that enough. you did, cultist, also made it sound better if that was the intent. It's just the wording of it is weird for me. I think I think that's what the issue is. Like, I, I apologize if I'm like coming off as like standoffish, but it's like I, I think I just like I, I I confused what you were trying to get at. So yeah, okay, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> so the whole intro part where he's talking, we already talked about how it should be quoted and all that. But the the formatting of it itself is also just weird. We kind of brushed on it, but not too much. 
because a yeah. lot of them are single lines, but some of them are multi-line squished together. But then immediately goes back into single lines. Like there's no, the formatting of it is, it kind of seems kind of willy nilly, you know, like there's no mm-hmm. structure behind it, whether or not it's going to be multi or single sentences one after another. Yeah. We should point this out. There is also like one of the lines is, is specifically a different font than the others. <laughs> like the, um, based uh, on the works like, of, yeah. Yeah. Like it's almost like so the way I kind of interpreted it, like what was it is like when it's all caps, he's shouting. When it, when it's normal, he's like just speaking in a in a in a normal tone. And then the smaller text, it's actually like he's doing it in like a whisper or like a like a lower voice. So it's like Maximilian Isidore proudly presents, based on the works of Louis Dubois, of course. The Polarama Panoptic. Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So like it's trying to use the font and the font size and stuff like that to kind of um, illustrate how the guy is talking or like how the guy is is doing his showmanship. That's not my problem though. Okay, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm I'm being, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave. Like here's the first quote that I'm referring to, which is the problem in my opinion. Before your very eyes, we shall recount those years in which free men stood up in the face of tyranny. And for liberty, equality, brotherhood, fine virtues, of course, which we now, which we know and cherish, gave their lives. Like the the spacing of it is weird. Like it's in the okay. middle of a sentence. The yeah. It, it... <laughs> before your very eyes, we shall recount hmm. the years in which free men stood up in the face of tyranny. Like w- why? Looks <laughs> like he's a robot. Uh, loading a little bit. It, it, yeah. It's because he's yelling at the end. So he's out of breath. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Perhaps. before your very eyes, we shall recount those years in which free men stood up in the face of tyranny. <laughs> he can but yell yeah. in, he can yell as much as he wants in a single sentence. He doesn't have to break it up. And also there's no I... punctuation there anyway. So it's technically all the same sentence anyway. Oh my god, you're right. Okay, no, hang on. there is some there is some punctuation at the beginning. That but yeah, like that from whole... before your very eyes goes yeah. technically goes all the way down to uh Re- Stalwart Brothers lived by reason. Yeah. It's so, technically oh all god. one sentence if you're yeah gonna be grammar Nazi on it. And it's just like we are programmed to receive. <laughs> like it is like very like breaking almost going walking a little bit. <laughs> The way he like how 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 Walken would speak in written form, <laughs> or well, how like Kirk how how Kirk would speak in written form. <laughs> yeah, and if he always spoke like this throughout the entire story, fine. But as but, soon as it breaks from him talking and it goes into a more standardized structure of paragraphs for dialogue, it's all normal. Yeah. So basically, it's weird how it's there's two different. It's it's like a different person is talking because it's completely different. Like there needs yeah. to be some sort of unity in the way that it's structured, you know? Yeah, because like if if it had been like um if it had said something about like he he's uh, his patter changed to like a more like smoothed out or a little bit more of like a level uh diet like level like pacing or something like that rather than his flamboyant uh, introduction like then maybe that we could, I could give it a pass. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like suddenly he just switches back to like, goes from like this very flamboyant introduction to like just a regular guy talking again <laughs> suddenly. Yeah, actually <laughs> he doesn't scream inside, does he? 
No, he doesn't. It's it's all. Uh, there's one. Aha! <laughs> I see the. I see. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, like I'm going. I'm panning through it, and I was like, aha! It does not lead into the biting cold of night, but instead the homely hovel. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the reason that he's screaming so much is because he's outside trying to like see if anyone that isn't already there would be overhearing him and also come by to attract them into the into the fold of it yeah maybe that's also why he's giving uh space in between it too for like echo purposes or something i don't know yeah it's like the world-renowned traveling historical extravaganza for your wonderful exhilaration for your phantasmagorical edification yeah, that's why he's like screaming all these like fancy and weird words be like oh what's that guy talking about <laughs> Ooh, a phantasmagorical edification i mm. love those <laughs> yeah i'll move on from there okay <laughs> also just like that word <laughs> that, that that's one of my favorite lines i think in this entire story is like uh, for, phantasmagorical edification <laughs> yes but moving on Yes. It's technically part of the same sentence because that's the way that this is. But, um, and for liberty, equality, brotherhood, fine virtues, of course, uh, which we now know and cherish, gave their lives. So the way that that's structured, it makes it sound like liberty, equality, and brotherhood gave their <laughs> lives. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get exactly what you're meaning now in this. Like maybe like, those are the, that's the names of the three, the, the free men. Yeah, I it's probably not. And it technically still keeps going too. Yeah, and because like it's still also part of the same sentence, and it doesn't stop at gave their lives. It keeps going. So it's like, for in those days, the people's enemy led by terror, but our stalwart brothers lived by reason. And then it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I the the fact that it's bra- broken up is kind of it's just weird. Like. It, it's not a haiku or anything, right? Like, there's, it's no. not like trying to. It, I mean, maybe, yeah. but I was like, is he trying to rhyme or something? But no, yeah. he's not. Yeah, because it almost like the way it's done, like it almost reminds me of like a poem or like a a song lyric kind of thing. But it's not work, and maybe there is some like a beat to it. But I'm just not picking it up. Yeah, same. Also, I, I'm for some reason I'm not getting like the monorail guy. It's like monorail. <laughs> Were you sent here by the devil? No, good sir, I'm on the level. <laughs> like, I have no idea like, what you're talking about. It's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> oh, that explains it. Yeah. I don't watch Simpsons. How dare you? They're you too yellow. Park. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> too much yellow. I can't contain myself. <laughs> yep. You you just slip into fantasy land and want to live there. Yeah, exactly. But I'll move on. Uh, this one's pretty small. When it switches from... Uh, the speaker and then the, the the description. The only real break is just it's an extra line down instead of it being double spaced, it's triple spaced. Like that's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like I guess they thought that that'd be enough, but yeah, if the first is first part's quoted and that's not, it would be way better. And then uh, the word busker referring to the announcer is that the right word? Because I yeah. googled it, and apparently a busker is a street performer. This yeah, guy well, seems he... like he's more like he's announcing at a circus, not just on the street. So maybe it's meaning uh... barker, which is another word for mm. ringmaster. Okay, you know what? Yeah, maybe that is it. Because I, I, I got, I kind of just, I 
I went with it and just like, oh yeah, busker. Like it's a it's a performer. So like this guy's kind of being a very like being a performer and stuff in this situation. But I think you're actually right though. I think it should actually be Barker. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what he's kind of doing. Is like he's doing barking the spiel uh, for this carnival. Mm-hmm. So, and he is kind of the ringleader. It seems in the as the story goes on. Pretty much, yeah. And that's all I got for grammar things. Okay. Uh, so I suppose we'll move on to actual thoughts. Uh, going to start with this one here. This way, this way, under the folds of this tent, you will find we have spared no expense. Left no stone unturned, no egg unbroken. To bring you the most modern and advanced display of modern of man's progress. <clears throat> so, and, and this is in regards to like the guy in like the tent and some of that. Man, at some point, Icker Falls is just going to have to like ban tent exhibitions just out of the safety for its residents. Has there been multiple? Well, do you remember the song and dance man Vaguely. from like last year where like it was another like tent situation, like at a, at a at like a town carnival at a town festival and like. The guy, it, it was like the tent was like it was some kind of like eldritch entity, or like, and that the man and the man was uh, like the the showman was like basically the t- like the tongue of it, or like the speech part of it, yeah, to like rally people in. And just like, the, yeah, it's just like it seems like Icker Falls is just having a really bad uh, situation with like these like tent exhibitions or like carnival tents or like what have you. Um, and it actually kind of got me thinking, it's like, that would actually make a decent hook for a game or even a story, like a group within the town that's charged with, maybe ta- charged by the town hall to safeguard the town from, like, supernatural tent hazards. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, and, and honestly, at this point, I'm surprised we haven't seen an Icker Falls story that's centered around a creepy tent revival church, which is another, again, tent-related thing tent revival church yeah yeah re- yeah re- uh, revival churches um like they're they're basically like they they're churches that go they're they're on the road um they go around counties and like go to like a like rent either either rent out space at a uh, like out in a field or like just find like an, an empty uh field out in america and set up a tent where they set up their congregation okay i thought they, you meant um, it was like a church that is all talking about the revival of tents. No, no, no. I was no. Very it's, confused. It's a church that is. It's it's a it's a church. I think it's. Uh, I I can't remember what denomination it is. I think it might be evangelical. Um, but it basically it's a church that uh like they go on like they they can it's pack a and unpack church. their. Yeah, basically, yeah, because yeah. their church is the tent, and so that's why it's called like a tent revival ch- uh, church. Yep. Um, and uh it's it, honestly like in it's in uh, like Icker Falls is in that region of Americana that I'm surprised we haven't gotten one of them uh, yet <laughs> in the in the story like one of these congregational churches shows up in town and is either creepy or falls prey to the creepiness of t- of the town itself mm-hmm. so uh but yeah like seriously at this point like i mean two that i've like two have come up so far i'm sure there are some other ones but it's like too too much <laughs> for me. I mean, yeah, but for, like, think about it through the, the entire history of Icker Falls, however long in lore that um, town's been a thing. They've had multiple yeah. uh, tents come through and like circuses and shit, <laughs> and it's been fine. Have they though? Have we they? only have stories about two of them <laughs> so far? 
and that we know of. Yeah. Like as weird as all the stories of a Vicar Falls, odds are ninety percent of the time it's a normal town. Ninety percent of the time it works every time. Yeah, it's fine. Ninety percent of the time yeah. it's fine every time. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I, don't, I I just think it would also be interesting to have like a, like just I I like the idea of like a, a group that's like I'm not established you. to keep away the tents. <laughs> it is rather ridiculous. And then my next one here, the mannequins were expertly uh, expertly wow, the mannequins were expert. The mannequins were expert. No, wow, I can't say that expert. word. Expert. <laughs> Expertly. Okay, the the mannequins were expert. You okay? <laughs> Expertly. 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 Okay, okay. Now, now the name, now the word has no meaning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the mannequins were expertly crafted, as he said, and we moved around in the tavern, admiring the attention to detail. The clothes were worn and coarsely made. The lanterns were real candles or oil wicks. Even the patrons' mugs contained some kind of frothed liquid, probably wax, to match the false people. And, and, and right as I was reading this part, I was like, I want the mannequins to be creepy. Like, that's going to be the creepiness of the story, is the mannequins. Yeah. Um, like, perhaps they're going to move or shift or on their own and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know what it is, but mannequins always make it a good cre- for good, creepy, spooky fodder. <laughs> and then <laughs> we get this. Um, the woman sitting at the middle of the circle of her kin, their waxy skin ruddy in the firelight, their painted bead eyes all fixed on her. And then she blinked a trick of the light. And then I was like that point, I was like, here we go. <laughs> we got some creepiness in the mannequins now. And then again, it goes to this. As I swept along, I tried to hold the knitting woman's gaze, but instead I saw only one thing about her, proving the busker's words false. He said she had no thread, and her needles were indeed bare, but clearly marked on her pale lips, I saw thin, dark lines. And at that point, I was like, oh. Because that took me, a, it took me a second to register what that meant, like what the implication was there, and I was like, "Oh, so as in she's had her mouth stitched shut, like that's where the thread is." I misread um, it the first time I read it, and I, oh no. I read it as uh, a thin dark line. So just like there was just like some some thread hanging out the side of her mouth, like she just ate a freaking uh, <laughs> toy or something. Oh no, she just ate some yarn. No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also really like how that is insinuated. Like I liked, I really liked that line. It's like, um, and, and just adds to like the weirdness and the, and the, the creepiness of like the situation of like this woman is in a, like, it almost has like a house of wax sort of vibe where like, she's got like waxy skin that maybe like they've coated her in like a waxy film to kind of make her look like she is a, a mannequin, but there's actually a person underneath that. What I don't get though is if she's potentially covered in wax, why is her mouth sewn shut? So she can't talk. But she's covered in um, wax. Maybe, maybe to keep her the the mouth shut so that she won't move her mouth and thus like crumble the the wax around her face and then reveal more like of the situation. But her whole though that also makes face a difference can move and your arms can move and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah that kind of, yeah it makes me wonder like 
does she is she like maybe under some kind of paralytic or something to like keep her in place? I guess, yeah. Yeah, where like maybe her mouth is the only thing that can move. I don't know. Yeah, it it it's still like it's a disturbing like details, but like at the same time, I, it also leaves me wondering. It's like why, like what exactly is going on here with like her? Because she seems to still be alive, whereas like as we go into the next scene, all the rich like costumed like mannequins are all like dead, cor- all, all dead people, almost like dead corpses. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I said dead corpses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it is interesting. Like I, I do wonder, like what this, like we we never we're never going to find it out, and we're never we're not supposed to because that's not as we find out that's this is sort of like uh not a red herring, but it's sort of like just sort of a lead up to the to the ultimate weirdness of this entire place. <laughs> but it is kind of interesting to like what to kind of postulate like what exactly like how is she being kept there in place in this pose? So. I don't know. I might just be rambling at this point. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, and yeah, back onto the, the, the rich opulent scene um, with the dead corpses. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they were dead. I was surrounded by posed and perfumed corpses, shuddering, looking anywhere but at the bodies, searching for which curtain wall would lead me back to the knitting room. I tripped over a rough flagstone and passed through a gap in the curtains. Slipping into the back rooms before back rooms were really even a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in all seriousness, though, uh, I really liked the setup, like slipping into the backspace. I think just the idea of slipping into the backspaces of an already weird and creepy exhibit is just really cool. Um, And it only gets creepier as it, uh, like by, until the very end, like just like and where it the fact that that it does get creepier and like more strange about how like like what's going on in the in the in the, the back rooms or in the in the uh in the uh sort of the the back end of this entire establishment of this like these this carnival thing um it it felt rather like uh carcosa in a way like rather like one of those kind of stories as well because like the character enters the, lo- the this like this display this like kind of performance thing and the performance gets weirder and weirder and more fucked up. And then he like kind of slips into the, into the, the backstage area as it were of this whole like exhibition and finds something even weirder and creepier and even like kind of like reality bending. So, um, yeah, again, we're just reminded heavily by like Carcosa esque scenarios or stories, uh, with the, um, as the story progressed, I have a question. Oh yeah, sure. You have a a note about him being routed, like, oh, because I was thinking about it. Like, he was like wanting to get out of there, and he tripped and fell. Which immediately, when I read that, I'm like, okay, well, he would have heard that, so he would have noticed. But he didn't follow him or nothing. Then he went through, and he got trapped, and then he showed up behind him and monologued on him and, until he died. Um. I mean, I assume you're meaning like the busker would have noticed him and stuff. Yes. Noticed Nair. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing a lot of hymns and he's, but you weren't giving me context as to who you were talking to. I, I figured out who you were talking about, but you were pulling a, uh, a grammar or a uh, conjunction junction issue there. Uh, Gabriel. Okay. Fine. Regardless. <laughs> the barker. Because he's a barker. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, now that I'm thinking about it, when he was saying at the end, he being the barker was saying at the end, that um he made all this for him 
it's entirely possible now thinking back in that scene where the Barker was in the uh, in the uh, expensive area, the expensive room. Yep. He was saying, or rather, um, Nair was saying that the the Barker was sort of coming near him, and he was kind of moving away. And as oh, he was moving yeah. away, he tripped and fell. So it's entirely possible that the Barker literally rounded him up to quote unquote make him sorry to make him quote unquote accidentally fall in the right spot, right where he wanted him to go. Yeah. Like once the Barker like noticed that he was in the know of what was going on, he was like kind of went into like predatory mode. It's like, all right, I'm just going to like, I'm going to start approaching him in this angle so that he'll go the opposite way. Cause he's human and he's going to want to go away from me. Cause he thinks this is all fucked up and weird. Yeah. Go. And, and then he'll trip on that flagstone that I've raised. I've had raised for like just an occasion. <laughs> yeah. Like in every single room, there's a trap. That yeah. He can funnel people into if he needs to. Yeah. Or hell, maybe if this is something more supernatural afoot, maybe the maybe the uh, the flagstone raised by itself Ooh. slightly, yeah, just enough for him to like trip on uh, over it. Mm-hmm. Possible. Like the Barker's just like you're in my house now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can continue now. Okay. Um. So next thing here is like uh, the bottom of it hung past the frame of the hole. And I could not draw it apart properly without or with my hands. Bright light and cold air streamed through when I did, overwhelming my sight. My eyes watered and I closed them against the brightness, but pushed my head through the curtain, squinting to try and see properly. I read this and I was like, God, that is such a bad idea. Like, I hope you weren't too attached to your head. He's not going to be. And then (laughs) I read ahead. I I continued reading and I got this. As my vision cleared, it was astounding. It was as if I was outdoors with a noisy crowd gathered perhaps a hundred feet away down below the edge of a raised wooden platform that I looked out over. And at that, I was like, oh, wow, I was right. He is going to lose his head. Viva la revolution. (laughs) Like he somehow put his head, like plopped his head into a guillotine in revolutionary France. (laughs) Okay. Like I immediately kind of like realized the situation as soon as like that was described, like without them even saying like, like that, Oh, they were speaking weird or like, uh, that like there was a guy next to him with like the, that was like looking down at him with contempt and stuff like that. It's like, Oh no, yeah, they're in he's, he's poked his head through a guillotine. Um, also gotta say, this took a turn I was not expecting. <laughs> like, I thought the horror of the story was gonna be focused on the mannequins in the tents, but then we get this head sized portal in the back rooms between the curtains <laughs> to the guillotines of France. <laughs> like, way to subvert expectations. And I say that in a positive way because I was not expecting it, but I'm not. It wasn't unwanted, <laughs> or it wasn't unlike. Um, it, it wasn't annoying <laughs> to me. One thing that confused me is mm-hmm. when the uh, the doorway is being described. It's saying it's an empty doorway, and the bottom half of it is like I don't know if it's red or not. It's probably red. The red silk, yeah. whatever the hell uh, fabric that he can pull aside. So if it's a doorway, 
isn't it the width of a doorway? As in, yeah. And if it's a doorway, and the bottom half of it is like the red fabric, what's the top half? Is it wide open? I okay. So I, I kind of assumed that it was actually just a door with a hole in the middle of it, like at ground level, or, or not at ground level, but like at the at a level where he had to like kneel down and then poke his head through. At first, I thought it was a yeah. solid door with a, mm-hmm. a doggy door in it with uh, red drapes on it. That's what I first thought. <laughs> and he was Kurt. Uh, what was what's what's uh, Marv and uh, what's the other guy's name in Home Alone? I don't remember the Wet Bandits. Uh, but yeah, like when he's sticking his head through the the, the doggy door. Pretty much, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. But then I reread it, and it says, um, "Path turned sharply." And my way forward ended in a wooden wall with four tall steps leading up to a bare door frame. In the lower half of the door, so it's a door frame that's up against a wall, I guess. So the entire wall is wood, but there's a door frame on the wooden wall. And the bottom half of the door was a small square area at eye level to me that had been cut out and edged by gold trim with a thick red. You know what that is? What? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I just realized what that door frame is. It's not actually a door frame. It's the shape of the guillotine. Yeah, <laughs> it is one hundred percent the the shape of the guillotine, <laughs> and that's what. The, and then the portal, the, the little like the little porthole that's like that he sticks his head through, is the is the hole that you you stick the person's head through for the guillotine at the bottom of it. It was on the side of it was next to the wall. So are really tall, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this again, like uh, I don't know, like maybe he just didn't realize how tall it was. But it is because the story likes to like describe things and not tell you what it is because like it wants like that savors that like when you have that revelation, it's like oh, mm-hmm. that's what's about to happen. <laughs> that's what that was that he described. But yeah, I, I I hope that's actually like what it is, because like that is honestly I like that idea of like him just like describe oh what's this weird door like with like just a door frame and like there's a hole in the middle. Uh, oh, that's not a door. I mean it it's kind of a door for your head. Yeah. <laughs> to be separated from your body. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You can continue. Okay. Uh, and then the yeah, this is actually my last uh, actual thought here. Uh, so the the quote here is like, uh, "Lamor, Lamor," howled the crowd. Uh, from above, there was a whisper of a finger on a wine glass. The sound of something very sharp falling very fast. So I really like that description of the sound of a guillotine coming down. The whisper of a finger on a wine glass. Like I can audibly visualize that. I know that sounded weird, but I can audibly like I can I can hear that I can hear the sound that that makes, and that yeah, that sounds kind of like a sharp bladed instrument shinking down a uh, shinking down the framework of a guillotine. Fortunately for me, <laughs> that sound gave me a different sort of sound visual, and it's not of a guillotine <laughs> at all. Okay, well, I liked it. That's so fair. I'm I'm that's where my that's where my actual thought is. Mm-hmm. Uh so I, I commend the story for that descriptor. I personally uh, have not heard but... a guillotine, so I can't say one way or another what you it sounds like. 
You haven't checked out Corridor Digital's uh, guillotine uh, uh, channel have, actually, where they they I built that. they they built a guillotine and they and then and then they set up a channel so that they could like try and gather like YouTube money to like buy beers at the end of the week. Yeah. Do they <laughs> or, keep doing that? They stopped after like I think uh, they they did like they went for like I think maybe ten videos and then they stopped and then they decommissioned the the guillotine. How dare! But uh, yeah, no, they're they're it's still out there. I think on YouTube somewhere, like they, their their guillotine channel, <laughs> where they just like cut. They see like what they can cut. Like they've got like fruit, yeah. like uh, whole like bushels of spaghetti of dry spaghetti, stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be my actual thoughts for the story. So, Mikey, these stands for evil. What do you got? All right. So my actual thought here is that I really thought the mannequins were going to play a bigger part, like cultists thought. Um, and uh, I was actually going for the trope where the curious protagonist becomes part of the display. Yep. Um, I mean, he kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> what we got was... It, it was just a different display. You know, the French yeah. Revolution. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my note here is that what we got was he finds a hole in a door and sticks his head through and is beheaded. Yep. Uh, and it's a magical guillotine that transports your head back to the French Revolution. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, like, to me, the whole guillotine stuff sort of came out of nowhere. Um, I like mean, to to argue your point, it it did lead up with like the the whole exhibit itself is basically about like the the French Revolution and like how it got started was like the poor being oppressed by the rich, and then the poor rising up against the rich, and then we get to the guillotine part. Yeah, and it's not even part of the exhibit though at all yeah that is odd like yeah that that is the the counter counterpoint <laughs> yeah um now if there was actually some character development for nair yeah and it was established that he was royalty yeah or like maybe he is uh like nair antoinette <laughs> <laughs> so and it's the only person I can the only person I can think of that's been guillotined <laughs> is Mary Anto Mary Antoinette. Uh but uh um yeah like maybe like his ancestors were Antoinettes and so this this uh this tent revival or this tent exhibit found him. <laughs> yeah. To, to teach but, his family a lesson. So but like that would in my mind have tied the guillotine to the story. Yeah. Because he is part royalty. He is going along. He gets to the portion where there's dead royalty. He freaks out, goes into the back rooms, and then gets his head chopped off. Yeah. He's part of the uh, the bourgeoisie <laughs> that uh, and the and the rich that uh need to be uh need to be uh guillotined. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or was like he has like his uh, his family hasn't paid enough or hasn't hasn't uh, 
has, hasn't paid enough. Like I get it would have. I think the story would have helped if we had actually gotten like maybe a name of some kind for the character, like mm-hmm. Anton, maybe even like go with like a French sounding name, like for the, for the first name, and then like have the Barker like at the end like give us his full name, and it's like oh shit, he's a descendant of one of the. The people that got beheaded and they found them again. They found the family again. The ones that escaped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that to me would have made a lot more sense than what yeah. we got. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I, I can, I can get behind that. Uh, also, to what you were saying about like giving, like giving a little bit more character development, like maybe give us a little bit more backstory about uh, Nair, where like maybe he's like maybe he is like in the present, like maybe he's not even just like that. He's like related to the people that were guillotined, but also like maybe he is sort of like a, a richer, like uh or like higher class person of the town that happens to be going into the checking out this, this carnival exhibit um with the rest of the rabble rousers or the rest of the rabble kind of thing. Like give him kind of a per- his personality, make him a little bit more like snarky or about like, we uh, like kind of g- give us a reason why, the Barker chose him <laughs> other than just happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's into my actual thoughts. Okay. Uh, then gamer. Okay. We'll start with, uh, something you brought up earlier a little bit, uh, phantasmagorical edification, which are two words mm-hmm. that I did not know and they sound neat. So I looked them up mm-hmm. and, Phantasmagorical yep. is an alternative uh, spelling of phantasmagorical with a PH at the start, so it's way cooler. Yep. And that mm-hmm. is an alternative form of phantasmagoric, which means quick changes in light, light brightness and color, or a dreamlike blurring of real and imaginary. Yep. And then... Ed- so illusionary kind of... Like yeah, stuff. and then edification is instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually. Apparently. Yeah. Big old fancy words. Yes. <laughs> I just like that the the version of phantasmagorical we got is an alternative form of an alternative form of the word. <laughs> yeah. Yo dog, I heard you liked alternative form, so I gave you an alternative form for your alternative yeah. form. Yeah. <laughs> I dig a little deep for that. Yeah. And this line here says, uh, the other people in the room were listening with rapt attention to the busker. I'm going to call him a barker. To the barker. Yeah. However, uh, a few paragraphs earlier, it was saying the crowd was beginning to fidget as the man spoke, partially from the cramped surroundings, but I thought also from a growing lack of interest in, in hearing the spiel. So are they getting bored or are they enthralled? Which is it? Well, maybe. Well, they started getting bored, and then when they went to the next room, they got excited again. They got perhaps. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they could also have been uncomfortable because, like, it was a tight space, and it was also ta- he was talking about like the oppressed poor and stuff like that. So maybe even this is like kind of a, a like this is a hint that the crowd is of a higher class and don't want uh, don't feel uncomfortable about like when t- when discussing about the about the poor. Yeah. Classes. That could be it too. All right. I mean, I'm I'm just like I'm just trying to like play devil's advocate as to why it's there or why that's there. But yeah, it could be there in the subtext. 
in the words that we don't read. We know how much you love oh, subtext. The <laughs> and then we get to the part where um, Nair sticks his head through and he sees the things, right? And he's at like knee height to this knight that's holding a weapon. So the first thing I thought was he was on a chopping block, not a guillotine. But before <laughs> yeah. that, you just put your like bend you over on a a block and just chop your head off with an axe or something. Because the first thing you see is a knight standing there with a weapon. So I imagine what he was trying to say is he's going to use the pike to decapitate him. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because a pike is basically a spear that's over 10 feet long. And they do- generally don't have a blade at the end or like it's like a like it's it's just like a sharpened well, end. Sometimes right? they're actually bladed, but Oh, really? Yeah, okay. but regardless, it's like trying to decapitate someone with a spear. <laughs> like, <laughs> or yeah, it's like they're it's like, all right, so I'm going to decapitate you. Let me just perforate your neck in a, in a line, like uh, like like making stamps. Yeah, <laughs> rapid fire. But considering it's yeah. a long pole on it, he'd be missing a lot. Like there'd be some wavering oh, yeah. in it, so you'd have to hit him like <laughs> five or not... six times with chops to try to get through his neck. <laughs> It would not be a clean no. death. <laughs> um, uh, to uh, quote D and D, maybe it was a vorpal spear. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I don't know what a vorpal spear is. Uh, so a vorpal is the effect to basic. Uh, it's it comes from um, actually Alice in Wonderland and like the Jabberwocky mm-hmm. and stuff. The vorpal blade that goes snicker snack and it off with your head. Um, so it's basically a vorpal effect in, on a weapon. Is uh like. It doesn't matter if it's like a, a piercing weapon, it's going to decapitate. <laughs> so you put it on a hammer and it decapitates. And, yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Weird. Like, you, and it, like I, I don't even think, like, I don't, I don't, Mikey, you're a little bit more versed in that. Does it have to, like, be near the head or could you, like, just, like, poke somebody with a, with a vorpal stick and their just their head just lops off magically? Yeah. Uh, as long as it's a critical hit, yep. Oh, so you can critical hit with um, impale somebody, and then their head just goes flying. You can have a vorpal baseball bat and just get a critical hit, whacking him in the butt cheeks, and his head pops off. Yep. Or it's like uh, you you could like. Uh, have a vorpal effect put on your shoe, damp somebody in the toe, it's like, ow, my foot! And their head pops off. <laughs> that is goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> Magic, man. How's it work? Yeah, yep. Exactly. That, that At that point, like, if I threw that into a into a, a Cthulhu game, it'd be like, roll sand. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Person just got, like... So you could... <laughs> With the vorpal, I, I, we're a little off topic, but you could get a vorpal shoes or vorpal boots, and and kicks and punt somebody in the in the groin. So basically, kicking them so hard in the nuts that their head pops off. I'll keep that in mind for future games, <laughs> for future character ideas. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, uh, the pike made it weird. I th- if okay, I'm pretty sure it's meant to be a guillotine now that you describe all this. But if it wasn't, and he was describing the weapon, I feel like instead of pike, the better word would be halberd or just generic a polearm, which is basically a metal 
or sometimes wood, but a spear with a, a huge axe head, head on it as well. So you can chop real good with it. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I thought it was a um, just a weapon coming down is the sound. Because when I think of a guillotine sliding down, it's almost sounding like a weapon going in a sheath because it's metal against metal. Like sliding metal. Um, <clears throat> is it always metal? I thought it was like metal and then on like between or two metal like on pieces wood, of wood. But regardless, it's metal sliding yeah. on something. And when I think mm-hmm. of just yeah. a blade being swung in like movies and shit like that, it has a weird sort of sound, kind of like the top of a glass. Where yeah. it's just like this weird effect. I, I don't even know how to describe the sound. But it's a whooshing sound. Yeah. Um actually it's interesting because like I recently watched something where like somebody described like that whooshing sound that when they added into like in post and stuff in, yeah. in videos. And it, most of the time, it's like like a whooshing of air. But they actually found that that was not a as satisfying as when you're like kind of just like going like taking a part of your like a, a piece of cloth, like even like your shirt and so that, and just kind of like wiping your hand against it, so that that actually creates a much more impactful like whooshing sound for, for like blades and yeah. stuff. Is using like a cloth sound, but yeah. But either way, that's the sort of sound that it made in my mind. So, because a weapon was just described a little bit before that, I put the two together. So, my last one's just in regards to the ending, where I didn't really get why the Barker apparently did this entire thing just to get Nair killed. We kind of brushed on that as to why it could happen. And that would be nice if anything was said in regards to that. Yeah. Although, the other way to think of it is, he just makes, he's made this uh, attraction and it's meant to capture people and get them killed and give their heads to the past somehow for some reason, because that's what happens, apparently. Um, but it's entirely possible he just says that to anyone he captures just because he's being dramatic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's just like, I did all this for you. <laughs> Meanwhile, like yesterday, he caught someone else. He's like, I did all this for you. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe the girl in the center of that of that room, of that room, like maybe this is like a, it was a different like thing he, how he trapped her. It was like I did this all. Yeah. <laughs> just like every every time he does it, he just like makes he wants to make his victims feel special. Yeah. It's nice of him. Yeah, he's he's a considerate sociopath or psychopath. Right? Yeah, that's the end of my notes. Okay. Then I suppose we'll move on to final thoughts. So, um. Yeah, I, I, my, my opinion hasn't really changed too much. I still really like the story. Um, I think it was a cool, surreal little journey through this aptly called history lesson, because <laughs> it was a history lesson, basically. Like starting from the top, like at the end of the day, the Barker, or the Busker, however you want, whatever you want to call them. I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, uh, gamer. I think it should be Barker now, but, um, it was a history lesson. He was kind of going through like the history of like the French Revolution for some reason um and i think part of maybe even like a little bit of the what i like about the story is the the fact that we don't get to know all the context of what's going on though to mikey's credit i do think that there it would be nice to have a little bit more of a reason why this is all happening to poor nair um or maybe not so poor nair maybe that's the reason why it's all happening to him is that he's not rich uh yeah maybe maybe this is like all just a uh maybe this is all just a um 
uh, a ploy to kill uh, rich folk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which isn't entirely... Uh... Anyway... <laughs> Choose your next words wisely. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, bo- bottom line, uh, I do actually, I- I'm going to still recommend this story uh, because I thought it was a cool, surreal, creepy journey um, that subverted my expectation. Again, I thought it was going to be mannequin stuff focused, but then it turned out that that was just part of it. And it was like kind of more, it got weirder as it went on. I like that, how it got weirder. Um, so, I will recommend it for that. Uh, also, Icar Falls really needs to stamp down on tent exhibitions and carnivals like that before it gets too out of hand. Every time they show up, something horrible happens, but they keep letting them in. Yeah. God. Also, in regards to him doing Uh, this to get back at rich folk, wouldn't he himself, uh, the Barker, be rich to pay for all of this? uh, Not necessarily. I mean, carnies and carnivals and stuff generally don't make a lot of money, but they just have, like, enough to get by and to keep going. And, like, basically enough for, like, like to have, like, to to survive and live off of, like, like the proceeds and stuff of that. And then, like, the fuel to get to the next location. That's sort of true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's going to be my recommendations. So, Mikey, these stands for evil. Take it away. Um, Uh... My opinion hasn't changed. <laughs> the, I really would have liked it if it had gone more with a mannequin and Nair becoming a mannequin. Yeah. Um, but sadly, that wasn't the case. Um, As a quick thing, what if, <laughs> what if, like, yeah, he poked his head through and it was actually the next exhibit, um, like, no. after the rich people? That where also would have been good. <laughs> his face and his face froze in place. Like he could feel his face freezing in place as he like went through it. And like that's how and then like he like felt like he looked he saw like a, a mirror somewhere in the room that so he could see a re, or see his reflection somewhere in the room and saw that he looked waxy. So like by putting his head through the guillotine hole, it showed that he was like like it, it actually like changed him like um Changed him like, uh, like supernaturally. I said that's what I thought they were gonna go with, but then when all the people around were like speaking French and like he was clearly outside in the real world, I was very confused. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless yeah. out <laughs> what he was seeing, like the French Revolution stuff, that's all like what he's seeing, but like on the outside in the next tent room over. Um, the crowd has moved into this section, and they are seeing the crowd looking on at this guy on on a pedestal in the, at a guillotine next to a dummy that's like of a of a guy with a pike and stuff like that. So it's like he's become part of the exhibit, but this is what ever like maybe the um the this is what the mannequins see like that are all like people, right? Like they see the world more lively or more like augmented to their to the reality of like their their exhibit. Would there be multiple? But bus- unfortunately, we don't. Yeah. Sorry, would there be multiple Barkers if that's the case? Because there's a Barker right behind him holding him down and <laughs> monologuing. Perhaps the Barker is a supernatural entity and so he split himself. Ah, like a like, guillotine. That's his shadow form. Split himself. Yes. Yes, exactly. Or maybe he's like throwing his voice supernaturally, even more like supernaturally. So like it's just like his spirit, like a spirit form behind the guy, or like it's it's the, the Barker's will behind him holding him down while the actual barker the physical barker 
is going on in spiel with the with the rest of the that's crowd. also surprisingly plausible mm-hmm. also yeah. i kind of want that <laughs> but yeah yeah i i would have liked it a lot better if it was shown or somehow explained that he had become the next exhibit Fair and enough. that had become a wax figure or his face had become waxed or something along those lines would have made this for me. But right. it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Back to reality. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That. And like I said, it would be nice to have a bit more backstory to find out for sure that Nair is of rich blood. Yeah. Which does he deserve this fate or not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or make him more of an asshole or something. Like that maybe he pushes over one of the wax figures or something. Yeah. Like. uh, But as it stands, I'm still not recommending. Okay. And then we have Gamer. So my read through it was like okay and everything, but the entire story was very predictable. Like, at least for me personally, you guys were kind of the same way, it sounds like. Um, Like when we went in and there's mannequins there, I was immediately like, there's no way that this is going to be a mundane run through of a museum exhibit. (laughs) Something's going to happen. We're literally, it's literally a creepypasta. It's an Icker Falls story. Those mannequins ain't yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that twist was like, what a shock. I saw it. And then, like, because I, I figured as soon as I saw mannequins, I'm like, okay, those mannequins are going to be actual people. Like, they have to be. That or they'll, they'll be yeah. puppeted or something like what you said before, cultist, which they kind of were. Mm-hmm. Uh, being people, that is. And then as soon as he stuck his head yeah. through the fabric and saw the environment, I was like, okay, he's on a chopping block slash guillotine. And that was true as well. So both of yeah. the big twists yeah, it, were very easy to see coming, unfortunately. Yeah. And as we've discussed, so, there's a lot of ways yeah. that they could be changed to be to fit into the story a lot more. Like the whole thing with the mannequins is technically pointless because it has nothing to do with the end. It kind of primes the int- the the end, like because it's it's setting up both the like what the theme of this whole place is is like the oppression of the of the poor at the hands of the rich and so and then the rise up to the revolution so we then then we get to the guillotine stuff okay so that's that was the natural progression of that and also the fact that they the mannequins are actually people in either trapped or dead kind of lend primes it for like okay something fucking weird and creepy is afoot here but it's not the main it's not the actual focus of the creepiness of the story. The, there's something else afoot here that we're just not seeing or that our narrator isn't seeing because he doesn't have the full context. You know what I'm thinking of this and like? We would. I'm thinking about this murderer slash supernatural being as a Star Wars planet where he is one climate. <laughs> that's all he is, is one climate. Yep. Yeah, he's he's a French Revolution uh, yeah. planet. But no, he can do the beheadings. He can uh, desiccate corpses and turn them into statues. He can keep people alive and keep them as statues. I say statues, but I mean mannequins. Mm-hmm. But um, like well, I'm saying, he's a very murderer. Be, it was, 
and yeah, it's it's still French planet because what is mannequin but a French word pulled into English? I mean, a lot of words are, but yes, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I'm trying to say is, I was I'm yeah. giving them a hard time. We're giving the the Barker a hard time because we're saying like the guillotine stuffs there to left town, which we never actually said, but I'm going to sing it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, now. it's kind of a left town, but that's only if we're thinking him of him as a one trick pony, which he's not necessarily. No, he's doing he a is, lot. He's of a busy guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I can't give it too much shit on that, I guess, but just. A lot of the stuff was too um, predictable, and we didn't really get any closure on on things at all. Or, I mean, that that is horror yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> like, yeah, oh yes, yeah, so some of the things that we, it, we thought up, like just to show that it's more interconnected. Like he's become part of the next exhibit. That would be a lot better. Because it keeps everything yes. connected. Like he's still killing people in various ways or torturing them or stuff like that. But it's all to a theme, which seems to be his thing anyways. Because yeah. he's doing this whole thing through a museum, but then all of a sudden it's not a museum at all. Yeah. Suddenly you're well, it's it's a museum in a very more literal sense in that you are literally taking somebody back in time to a degree. Yeah. Or displaying something historical, but like for reals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, either way, like the more I've been thinking about this, the more that that's kind of just bugged me how it's it doesn't flow very well. And with the the grammar stuff, with the the weird spacing at the start and the no cut in between it going from his speech outside to uh, narration, stuff like that, it's, it's kind of bugged me more and more. So I was at a partial. I'm going to go to okay. a low partial now. Because it does need a lot of work, right. honestly. Not work that can't... It, it's, it can be done, obviously, like to tie it all in. But it, it has to be done for it to be more enjoyable. Because it just kind of left me more confused. And I had to have this recording with you guys to fully understand what's going on. <laughs> you had to have the process. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, once again, uh, like to repeat, we got there. <laughs> so yeah, I'll I'll change from a yeah. partial to a low partial. There's still okay. something there. It just needs a little bit of work. Yeah. Mm. All right. So a recommendation, a non-recommendation, and then a low partial yeah. recommendation is what I'm hearing mm-hmm. from all this. Because yeah, as as much as like I like, I'm not changing my my opinion. More than one, but <laughs> I. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, please do, by the way. <laughs> no, um, like I, I hear what you guys are saying, but I still enjoyed the read, so I can't in good conscience just like say I wouldn't recommend the story because I did enjoy the read, and I think some anybody who likes me who's like me anybody who likes me should no whoever anybody who's like me or like minded, I think might enjoy this. But again, like and similar similarly, like whoever is like minded to uh, Mikey may not like this or whoever is like-minded to gamer is going to be indecisive but whether or not they like this. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's the point of our of our different opinions on the show and some of that. So, um yeah, I I I do like the ideas that we've proposed here, but like as it is, yeah. So, 
we're of course always biased uh, to our own ideas that we come up with. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're gonna need a t-shirt someone's like it's like uh, it's almost like we're mm-hmm. different people. <laughs> like that needs to be the slogan needs to be put on a shirt. Probably should. Um but yeah, so whoever's listening to this, if you still haven't read the story at this point, uh do with our opinions as you will. <laughs> um and that will be this week's episode. So if you like what you heard, or if you didn't, leave us a comment in the comment section below where this gets posted, whether it be on Podbean, Facebook, YouTube, or Tumblr. You can also send us messages on Twitter. Mikey is at the E stands for evil. The gamer in yellow is at the gamer in yellow, but without that W at the end, because his name is very long. Yeah. Just need a guillotine to cut that, that name in half. I'll be the gamer. <laughs> just in yellow. <laughs> the, yeah, just yeah, the game, it, the gamer. It. Yeah, sometimes when uh, I, I put that name into video games, it does just cut off the end, like at random yeah. intervals. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like um, the gamer in. Like, oh great. <laughs> oh boy, the gamer in. <laughs> the the camera. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close. Uh, and I'm at Review Cultist on, on Twitter. Um you can also send us emails at aldente rigamortis at gmail.com. That's A-L-D-E-N-T-E-R-I-G-A-M-O-R-T-I-S at gmail.com. We can also leave us suggestions for other creepypastas, SCPs, spooky things. You creep it, we'll peep it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you'd like to help support our show financially, you can go to Patreon, look up Aldente Rigamortis, and select the backer tier you'd like to support us at. We have $2 and $5 tier with special episodes, early access, extra content. To our patrons that are helping support the show, thank you guys immensely. You're helping keep those hosting bills at bay. And as always, we very much appreciate that. And to our listeners and the authors of these stories, thank you immensely, because without your listenership, it would be like screaming into the void, slipping our heads into a... <laughs> Into a uh, into a porthole to uh, to the French Revolution, <laughs> only to get it, uh, only to get our heads uh, lopped off. Uh, <laughs> um, then we really and... wouldn't have much of a show because we'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, if you didn't write these stories and post them online or share them uh, on a submitted section of of Icker Falls website, we really wouldn't have much of a show because we'd literally have nothing to talk about. So thank you. Until next time, I have been your host, Review Cultist. I'm Mikey, the stands for evil. And I'm the gamer in yellow. And this has been Aldente Rigamortis. Sleep well.